This time on the Short Code Podcast, listener JC agrees with me about Twin Peaks. We drop some knowledge on listener Meldor about the questions schools ask on secondary applications and the answer to the age-old question, which Sesame Street resident is Kylie's celebrity hall pass? This Short Code Podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Coat Podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews. By students, for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler, and I'll just sit over here while you adore my co hosts. Say hello. To rising M1, Kylie Miller. I think I'm a rising M2, Dave. <laughs> Sorry. Ouch. You got to start No, over. no, rising M1, doesn't that mean? No. No. Rising no. M2, you're right. I was here backwards. She already did that. Unless been there, been there, my wish that. came true, as mentioned on the show a couple weeks ago, I want to be an M1 all over again. Well. <laughs> Why? We'll see what we can do. Yeah. I, we all had that reaction. Uh, <laughs> rising M2, Kylie Miller. Uh, say howdy to rising M2, Irene Morquende. Hello. Say willkommen to rising M2 Elizabeth Shirazi. Hello. And say bonjour to rising M4 Casey McCleary. Thank you for coming today, guys. I'm uh, pleased that we got some some, uh, listener feedback and questions this week. Oh, dear. Uh, So let's get started. it's, It's not like last time. Oh. Poor Mike. Oh, you weren't here for what the last happened time. last time. Ooh. Yeah, what happened? Eh, you know, go back and listen. But uh. basically, basically, Mike uh, was a little offended. Oh, all right. Which <clears throat> I don't know why. But anyway, here we go. Uh, JC got a nice message from Jesus Christ. Apparently, <laughs> no, just JC. That's all I. JC. He sent us a nice message at theshortcoats@gmail.com. Let's uh, let's hear what JC has to say to us. I first stumbled upon this podcast last fall, when I was trying to find medical podcasts to listen to while traveling for med school interviews. I am now an incoming M1, and I will definitely be listening to the show during my cross-country move from the East Coast to the West Coast. I just wanted to give Dave a shout-out for the Twin Peaks reference. It's a great show with super cheesy and melodramatic but fun acting and music anti-ring characters, ridiculous plot twists, and a crazy amount of coffee, pies, and donuts. I have not gotten a chance to watch the new season yet, but I hope it can be as good as the older season. Me too. Anyway, keep up the great work. You all have inspired me to try to start up a podcast in my future school, and I hope it can be as good as the Short Code podcast. Thanks. You're welcome. Aww. What a nice... That was a nice shout out. Nice things to say. Good luck starting medical school. Appreciate yeah. that. Also, Dave, that new voice. I haven't heard that one before. No, I it's found it. Pretty soothing. It always like, throws me off when it's like a robot reading them. I'm expecting a real person. Well, I can hold robot. if they don't call in, then I've got to, I've either got to read it myself, which that's no fun. <laughs> okay, I challenge. I got to find some robots. I challenge uh, any of our listeners to like actually call in and do your best robot voice. Uh, we will play it. Your I would voice. like to tell you that I really enjoy your show. Okay. Somebody, this is like the reverse Turing test. <laughs> Somebody has to do it better than Dave. Come on. Uh, yes, thank you, JC. I appreciate your uh, your note and your encouragement. And I wholeheartedly recommend that you become a podcaster uh, at your medical school. I think it will help you a lot in your journey. Um, at least it will provide you an outlet. A way to complain. And a little encouragement from the master himself. No. Try not. Do. Or do not. There is no try. Well said. Master actually, Yoda. I actually, okay, unpopular opinion. I think that's kind of bad advice. What is? Try, or, or do or do not, there is no try. Like, people don't get any credit for, I mean, it's very, like, pure utilitarian standpoint but i feel like it's very discouraging to most people from even trying well yoda was kind of an a-hole apparently <laughs> actually honestly <laughs> yeah, just, a badass a, but, a, but an a-hole there's actually a 
like I mean he was a little green man what do you expect that I have about Jedi philosophy but (laughs) oh I wish this is not the time nor place (laughs) I I should have known that Casey would have qualms or or deeply held opinions about Jedi philosophy that's our Casey. Shut up, Dave. That's our Casey. You made a Twin Peaks reference. Hey, man, I'm not. I'm not above being a geek. I'm just not. See, here's the thing. I'm not either. I'm a. I'm a fair. I don't. I don't I'm. A, I'm a shallow geek. Like oh, I. No. I like uh, science fiction. I like stuff, but I don't get deeply into it. And I don't get deep in the weeds like you do, Dave, or my wife, or a lot of other people I know. Dave, are you a fake geek girl? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dave, what we're a, here to inspire you to go deeper. Oh, oh! You really gotta watch. Yeah, gotta watch phrasing here. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, a dangerous path. I'm just taking it all in. Oh! <laughs> second, second, uh, JC. If you happen to pass through Iowa on your way to wherever you're going, stop by and say hello here in Iowa City. Uh, if you happen to be here on a Friday, we could hang out during a recording of the show. You know, uh, have a have an audience of one. That's always fun when that happens. <laughs> Irene just got like a scared look in her eye. Well, I just picture you alone in this room. <laughs> no, it would be us, you jerks. <laughs> what? Oh, he's the audience of one. Yeah, he would be our audience oh, of one. Oh, okay. <laughs> see? See where you led us? <laughs> see what your jokes have wrought? You would be welcome, Casey. <laughs> Uh, despite Irene's. Despite Irene. Despite Irene. <laughs> I love having the whole like lady cast. A couple weeks, like, you know, recently we've had all women on the podcast, but I also feel like we get a little more out of hand. Mm, I Good. Know. The, the bros get out of hand sometimes too, but, you know, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I like it. Uh, here's a listener question from somebody who'd like to re- remain anonymous, so I'll call him Meldor. <laughs> what? What? I was wondering if you could talk about the importance, or lack thereof, of secondary essays Never. and secondary applications. Oh. I know students put in a ton of time on their personal statement, going through many drafts, total rewrites, and edits while having numerous sets of eyes look it over for feedback. In contrast, the secondaries usually expect a much quicker turnaround time. Is less expected of applicants on secondaries? Or are they just easier to write because they are easier prompts to answer than a personal statement? Are they just a way for schools to make extra money? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, thanks, for your, thanks for your question, Meldor. I'm sorry that I got your gender wrong. Um, actually, I don't know this person's gender. I just picked one. Good. Maybe they don't have a gender. Maybe they don't. Maybe they're yeah. non-binary. Uh, in which case, Meldor, perfect name. <laughs> uh, so I... What do you guys think of this question? That's did you did you spend a, a ton of time on your did you spend a ton of time on your secondaries first of all? <clears throat> so I feel Ooh. like you could come at this from either end because I know people who um, online you can find the secondary questions ahead of time. So in that <laughs> yeah. transitionary period between submitting your primary application and when you're approved and start getting secondaries, they pre-wrote all of the essays for the schools that they were applying to. So they had like a same day turnaround when they got the secondary. Which is such a med student wow. thing to do. Yeah. Like, I did. <laughs> I, I yeah, can't. I didn't do that. I did not do that. But that's a really, it's a really, really good question because I definitely thought about that. I was like, uh, what am I doing here? Do I need to put as much into this as my personal statement? And I applied to a lot of schools. So it's like, and some schools will send them to you without even having reviewed your application, so you'll just automatically get one. Oh, and you're yeah. like, Do you even care? Really? <laughs> yeah. And some of them are really expensive, and I think that schools do kind of capitalize on that extra income. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Well, first of all, define really expensive. A hundred dollars. One hundred and fifty dollars, which well, really adds up. Two hundred dollars <laughs> when you're applying to twenty schools, and you already yeah. have to pay for the yeah. You've already paid for the primary, and I feel like um, the first time I applied to med school, I did both MD and DO, and some of the DO schools were definitely more. Um, were more expensive Mm. than the secondary ones. But if you apply and are accepted into like the fee assistance program, uh, usually all the schools will waive your secondary fee um, in addition to your primary application fee. So for people out there that are thinking about maybe applying, it's worth it just to check and see because you're going to save so much in the long Uh, run. I I spoke to uh, Dan Schnell in the admissions office and he he wanted me to point out that there are, uh, you know, opportunities to get waivers on those fees you know whether it's through the double amc or through the school itself you know if you if you have a financial need definitely look into those yeah um he did say that uh, he was of the opinion 
that it's not a money grab by institutions. I mean, it does cost money to process applications. Mm -hmm. There are um, probably varying levels of background checks. Ours are among, Iowa's, just to put in a plug here, Iowa's is among the lowest of the fees, around uh, 60 yeah, bucks. Is. So it can't hurt to apply. Um, others, and, and, and you know, I don't know, where are DO schools are generally private? Am I wrong in this? Are DO schools oh, usually private? I, I don't know. No idea. I can't think of a state DO school. I mean, well, we, have we have DMU, we have DMU and that's but I don't know through like St. Des Moines Ooh. University. Well, yeah. I, I think, I think I mean, I don't really know for sure what the range is. I would suspect that private schools might cost a little more uh, or a lot more. The, the range is wide. Um, and certainly if you're applying to a lot of schools, you know, even, even if it isn't a money grab, it's, it's going to get. Yeah. expensive but then you get on the other end where schools don't have any secondaries and that's kind of strange too because it's like how are you like just mm -hmm. my personal statement yeah. how are you supposed to evaluate well, well let's, with just that and so let's move on from the fees and let's talk about or the, and let's talk about the questions themselves now i know here at iowa uh dan says that they are really more short answer questions. Yeah, yeah, they are. They're not essays. So, and and that may be different at different schools. Obviously, you're going to want to contact the schools that you're applying to and make sure you understand, you know, what it is you're getting into. Um, different schools have different policies, different secondaries, different questions. Some do have essays. Uh, we don't. Um, they're they're short answer questions. Um, I think we currently have. I think you said we currently have five. Mm, okay. Um, short answer questions and the questions are to help us so so you send out your personal statement right personal statement is a general right right statement like of, why medicine? you know i who oh, i am I? what what yeah. i what am i why am i doing this that sort of thing the secondary questions generally speaking are intended to help us schools understand why you want to attend our school hmm. yeah. in general. Yeah, they always have like the mm -hmm. why Iowa. They have the like the why the school, that particular school, and then they always well generally they'll ask like what will you contribute in terms of diversity yeah, to, our to our class incoming class. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One is that one that you see a lot. One of the only so I, I think they're probably mostly easier to do because they're shorter, but you should still like have people read them and stuff obviously right yeah. but um the only like also have people proofread them sort of for content because they're like the only secondary application thing question that i remember at all was for columbia uh and new york and they were like well what are your biggest like fears or concerns or whatever and i can't remember if it was specifically about new york or whatever but <laughs> i'm afraid of dying no my, my <laughs> the giant rats, <laughs> the giant rats. <laughs> um but my answer was getting lost and i i don't think i articulated it very well because like looking back it seems like kind of a shallow thing to say like oh i'm afraid of getting lost in the big city but like <laughs> Yeah. That was terrifying for me. Like, there were no buses in my hometown growing up. There were no subways. There were, like, 12,000 people in the whole town, and that's pretty big for Iowa, but that's nothing <laughs> compared to the middle of New York City. And, like, it wasn't just getting lost in transportation, although that was a significant part of it because I have a really bad sense of direction, and I could just see myself, like, the very first week, like, wandering into the part of town with gangs and then just, like, <laughs> not wandering back out again mm -hmm. <laughs> um you know but like it, it's just sometimes things like that are like hard to articulate or like come across as more shallow even if they're like a real concern that you have or like getting lost in all the people there's just too, so many people may i ask did you get in no okay <laughs> so i'm gonna play devil's advocate to casey and like the whole having someone proofread your secondaries because i'm in another camp across the way that's like secondaries it's more important to get them in. Yes, like write it well and maybe have someone proofread if it, your English is your second language or you feel um, like you have a lot of struggle with grammatical errors or things like that. But it's less about your personal statement should be well groomed, of course, and have more than one person proofread it. But secondaries, it's more a time and a school specific showing that you um, I think someone already mentioned, like, it's where you can sell why you want that school specifically, mm -hmm. yeah. know about their programs. Um, but for schools you're interested in, you should prioritize those secondaries and getting them out in, you know, 
one to two days of receiving it to show them you're interested, you're on top of it, um, but never more than a week. Like you should have every secondary return within a week. So if you have a proofreader, you know, as a roommate or something that can easily review that, say, yes, do that. But as opposed to like going to a writing center or emailing it to someone else, it's got to be a quick, fast, quick and dirty yeah, yeah, I always submission. just pulled in, pulled in my friends to proofread my things. Here, here's what, So that was a lot quicker for me, I guess. Well, one of the things that I thought when I was... Here's one thing that I think people should think about <clears throat> that I thought about, kind of, is that schools know that you're applying to, like, a million other schools. They know that, but they don't really care. Like, if yeah. you're applying to a school, this is a really good opportunity for you to be, like, actually looking through their website and looking at, you know, what makes that school a good school to apply to because it is really stressful to apply and yeah you're applying to a lot of schools but like you still have to look at each school I feel like sometimes I got caught up in being like oh my god I just applied to like 20 something schools like I don't know anything about these schools I don't even know where some of them are like I was just so like caught up in trying to get in and I regret that because I think it would have been a really good opportunity to see you know what each school actually does bring to the table so Dan had a couple things to say about both of those points uh, first of all, he says, uh, it's better to submit your best answers a little late than submit rushed answers right away. So oh. keep that in mind. Oh. That's from the Damn. that's from the admissions office. I was oh. always told a week. I was always told Yeah. Well yeah, but within I mean, one there, there a couple a, of days, write it yeah. write it once, write it again, and then submit within a week. There if is you an have advantage pre written, you can do it faster. Oh, okay. There oh. is an advantage Gunners. to submitting, you know, earlier than than later, right? Yeah. yeah, I think, I it's, think rolling, it's, it's rolling admission. Rolling admission. Right. Yeah, um, but you know, it, it's his analogy that he suggested. You know, would you you know rather rush your cooking, but at the risk of quality, <laughs> not as good, possibly not entirely cooked, or would you rather take your time, follow the recipe, and produce? delicious high quality food that's not a good metaphor for med students when i'm like if i have time for my uncrustable pb and j to defrost before i eat it it's a good day (laughs) day. that is not applicable to my life that actually is a problem in my life (laughs) also he's in in regards to what uh, irene said look for opportunities to express your interest in the school with Mm -hmm. specifics Mm -hmm. You're fit for the school. Prove that you've done your homework and know specifics about the school, but don't just regurgitate from a school's website. Yeah. You know, explain the why, tell them why what they have is a good fit for you. And also make sure, I, my guess is that you want to make sure you address what the school wants rather, or in addition to what you want, Mm -hmm. you know, so don't just say, oh, I love your research and your, you know, whatever. Try to point out what it is that you're bringing to the to the table. Yeah, um, that's my guess. Is yeah, to what's for important. me it was like. I mean, it's just like a basic job interview kind of. You'll find thing that a I know way about. to do it. Like I knew that I wanted to work with certain populations, and so I looked for schools that emphasized that, not just on their website, but in terms of like where they were located and and what they expressed was important to them for their med students to do during their four years and things like that. You kind of figure it out, but you have to take the time to figure it out. And it's yeah, I think it's worth looking into the schools before you even apply to them in the first place, because you know then you'll sort of have an idea of what you like about that school. So it'll be a little easier to get a jump off when you're writing. But um, also, like it'll save you time and money from applying to schools that aren't actually going to be a good fit for you. Like Mm -hmm. my first thought was when I started applying was like, oh, I got to apply to Mayo. That's like the best hospital in the whole world which okay it is pretty darn good hospital you know but I was like oh my god it's like the best hospital in the world my dad went there when he was really sick and you know it was amazing I want to go there and then I started actually looking into the program and they had very few extracurriculars it was a small town it was a small um class and it just seemed like they didn't they, they just mostly worked <laughs> uh, which like I, that, that's not how i roll I so just threw up in my mouth a little. <laughs> no shade to mail no, I, I would hate no that. and for people who want Sorry, to mail. be that like that focused on just medicine or like they already have a family and they're not gonna need all these like extracurricular things like that's awesome so i guess it just wasn't point, yeah. it wasn't for me yeah what did you do what did you think 
Um, Elizabeth. <laughs> Elizabeth. No, I struggled with that too because it felt very arbitrary when I was applying to schools. Like, oh, this school, like I've heard that it's good, but like what is mm-hmm. it that would make me want to go there? And I think doing a lot of activities with like MSAP with, through admissions, I can kind of see how much they want Iowa to fit you and that's a really important part. So I think showing that in secondaries and like looking and saying these things are really important to me, like the populations or, you know, if you want to get into the clinic earlier. So maybe you like our year and a half um, curriculum, right. preclinical Clinical. curriculum, um, just like find things that are important to you so that, you know, you would be happy there and then show that. I think that's a really important thing. Mm-hmm. A good way to figure that out as like somewhat of a non-traditional student I had a lot of friends that went into med school right after undergrad and you know who are a year older than me the same age and so I had friends who were first year second years and I knew people in a lot of kind of different schools um, I'm from California so a variety of California schools and a couple Midwest schools um, so I had and I did a post back program and I had mentors and people from there that I could associate with other schools and hear kind of one-on-one accounts that's actually I would have wished that I could have visited some schools because mm-hmm. I feel like that like yeah. that real tangible thing I feel like that would have been very helpful. yeah so if you can tap into those resources and get an idea before applying, again, if you're a good fit for that program, if that program's a good fit for you. And of course, like, don't ignore the metrics, like be realistic about, yeah. um, are you, you know, really going to get into somewhere with a, I don't even know the actual MCAT score. So this is a pointless comparison. I took the old MCAT. Basically, um, are you Harvard or are you Caribbean? I don't know. Yeah. So that, I mean, it's true though. <laughs> but there's there's a spectrum. So have your your safety net, your home state schools, and then some some good stretches. You know, with maybe a little luck in pixie dust, and then your dream school. Um, but set yourself. You know, cast a wide net. But wait one second. Don't go on MSAR, which is the database slash network that they use. It's like a book. I don't mm-hmm. know what it is, but oh, yeah. it gives you all the stats, and you basically go through each school, and you can like it's so scary. decide based on MCAT score and GPA, and go to their website and demographics and all this stuff. Don't just limit yourself by deciding from there. Oh, I don't fit in this MCAT score range. I'm not gonna apply here. Like, take a day or five to like. That's true. I mean, those really, are... Really, like... Mm-hmm. It's annoying to visit each different website. I wish it was more cohesive, but it's not, so... I mean, remember that, you know, those when you read those figures, they're all going to be averages. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're not... They're not, like, cutoffs or anything, you know, yeah. so... No. Chill out. Chill. Uh, Dan did have one thing. Getting back to the fee issue, he did say one thing that I thought was interesting. If your school charges you to hold your place, if you're admitted... That might be something to put in the negative column for that school. Uh, we don't do that. Hmm. Some I, schools I never, do that. I heard of that. Um, maybe I don't want us to use the word bogus, but it does. It sounds se- bogus. It does a lot seem of a little. Let me get this straight. So you apply and you get accepted. You accept. So their you've been accepted. Right. You're waiting to see like which other schools oh, so you get they accepted hold to. Hold your spot if you pay. If you pay them oh. to do that. But Gross. for the oh. most part, it's refundable. Like, and I know a lot of students don't have that money up front. But I did. I had to make a deposit for one school when I was still kind of deciding, or it was the first school I was accepted to. I was like, ah, this could be like this could be it. So I paid <laughs> that. Um, but as long as you withdraw like within their stipulated rules, read the fine print. It's a refundable deposit, but. And Dan probably knows really how many schools do that versus I how many don't. Yeah. But I was under the impression a lot did. I'd never heard of that. I, I haven't hmm. either. Weird. But Maybe. I can see why they would do that. I honestly can see why they would do that because in hindsight, when I was holding multiple acceptances, I did on, like, I waited till the last minute. Cause I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't. Well, I knew I was going to go here from the moment I got in here. I had been emailed them. <laughs> and I was like, thanks. Can't wait to see you on the call. Like, well, from the school's <laughs> perspective... I know that sometimes our heart gets broken, you know, like we, I know, yeah. we, uh, you know, we, we were like, oh my God, this person, we totally want to have this person in our school. We love this person. And then it turns out that they go elsewhere. So I, and I, the people on the waiting list. Yeah. Like, can yeah. you imagine just like yeah. people waiting spots here? They, I, I was told that here, like you can watch yourself move up mm-hmm. in number. And I keep thinking, I'm like, who is that last person every like year? Like you're number one, number one oh. waiting, yeah. and you just see that. Like, oh. so sad. <laughs> oh. 
So uh, I hope cry we, a tear. I, I hope we helped uh, Meldor. Uh, <laughs> it was if a longer you, answer than you were expecting. Yeah, Meldor. it was longer than I expected. It's a really Welcome. complicated process. It is so complicated and so mm-hmm. stressful in that moment. Start early. Listeners, if you yeah. have questions for us, we would love to try to answer them. The shortcuts at gmail.com is one way to get in touch with us. But 347 short CT is even better. Uh, or we'll make up weird nicknames for you. That's right. Or give you weird voices. Kyle. Uh, <laughs> so I wanted to talk about some medical news. I think, our, I think our listeners skew pretty young, but... I don't get excited about medical news anymore. I just get this sense of dread. <laughs> I think that's just the news in oh, general. Oh, my mistake. Yes. Yeah. My mistake. Yeah. Unfortunately, we read this... Yeah, anyway. Yeah, sorry, that's insurance-related news. <laughs> yeah. I think our listeners skew pretty young, but if there's an old listening, say somebody my age, you might want to shell out 8,000 grand... 8,000 grand. Eight Gs <laughs> to a private clinic in Monterey, California to get some Ooh. young blood to replace your old shitty blood. <laughs> Wait, sorry, what? That young blood. Yeah. Jesse Carmazin, MD, who doesn't have a license to practice medicine, by the way. What? Has, Obviously. Good to know. Has cool, launched Jesse. a clinical trial uh, supported by his startup, Ambrosia. Uh, he claims that within a month, if you get some tr- a transfusion of young $8,000 oh. blood... Uh, you will see improvements from a one-time transfusion of two liters of plasma. This is so funny because there was... I don't know if any of you guys watch Silicon Valley. Uh -uh. Anyone? Anyone? It's on HBO, and it's this... um, Girl, I'm in med school. I don't have HBO. Oh, we totally have HBO. Girl, I borrowed the password. I I can't afford that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They were talking about that, and so this... (laughs) This really rich guy basically has a kid who, like, he... He's like, oh, I need this young blood, and like, does he's like a transfusion, ist, whatever, and Jesus. then finds out that this kid has been like secretly eating a ton of garbage food, and <laughs> that's what and I his do. cholesterol levels are like skyrocketing, <laughs> and he's like, I thought that this is gonna be great, and it's not. Well, you're only getting plasma in this case, so I, I don't know this. Does oh. that stuff hang around in plasma? So, so you're not even you're getting like albumin and some of the other. Yeah. Protein. Yeah. Alpha one antitrypsin I know is in plasma. What does that do? Does it make you young? No. Well, it keeps your lungs from digesting themselves. Yeah, I was gonna say if you don't have it, your your (laughs) your lungs don't work so hot. I just feel like maybe like just like go for a walk outside. You know what I mean? Like keep your eight thousand buy a treadmill. Well how the hell am I gonna (laughs) just like stay healthy in other ways? Eight thousand dollars to train you. I will do it. I will move your body for you. (laughs) This Uh, kind of thing makes me actively angry because like this is so immoral on like fifteen different levels. This is like a disgusting scam, and I want to grab this person and push them into the ocean. Well, look, if you live in Monterey, California, if you live in Monterey, California, (laughs) and you have your MD, but you didn't match, what else are you going to do? I don't know. Maybe Literally anything. I don't don't know if you didn't match or not. Wait, do they have an MD? Yeah. He's not licensed. What does he claim that this will do? So you get this plasma. You'll feel better. Not even blood. I think he should be thrown in jail. That's a placebo. Uh, All right. Hang on. There is some evidence that it could work. Oh. This is not a good controlled uh, clinical uh, trial, though. There's no safety measures in here. Okay. Well, he says says it wouldn't be fair to have a control group. Hang on. It wouldn't be fair to have a control group because, uh, you know, you can't charge a control group (laughs) $8,000. To get enough, That's to get a, a verbatim quote, yes. to get a placebo. Because All right, in but the real is... respected trials, you're compensating them, not charging them. Yeah. He is a fraud. Don't there... pay to be in clinical trials. That's a scam. There is some Don't evidence that it. it could work. Uh, so let's see. Uh, a 2013 study, a widely cited study in Cell, concluded that uh, GDF11, a component in blood, increased muscle strength in mice, mice although replication has proved elusive. Uh, here's a word I learned from this topic: parabiosis. Ooh. Uh, it is. Do you guys know what the answer? What the, yeah, it's really freaky if you watch videos of it. Yeah. Yes. I don't actually know what it is. It is the anatomical joining of two individuals, especially uh, artificially in physiological research. So uh, a lot of these uh, with studies the mice. happen in Ooh. mice. Oh, that thing! They yeah, they're, 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 each other and their they circulatory systems are connected together, so that the old mouse gets the young mouse's blood. They actually live, though, sometimes for a while. Well, the the yeah. cell study uh, that I talked about says that the mice were connected for uh, f- nearly four weeks, 
I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to have a 20 year old connected to me for, for you don't, you for don't like want a, Kylie like attached to your bed. I would be, if Kylie I got to paramyosis. You see how often I'm in his office? I don't think it makes much of a difference. <laughs> Constantly hovering over you. If I was connected to a 20 year old for a month, I'd probably be drunk half the time. So, <laughs> so would they. <laughs> But yeah, because parabiosis. So yeah, you know, like your, your nice young new liver would be able to process it. True, that's a good point. <laughs> but you'd also get charged yeah. for distributing alcohol to a minor. No, no. <laughs> don't the count on my liver. Way that Are you saying that I done. drink a lot? <laughs> uh, so yeah, I just thought that was interesting. On the other hand, as a med student, <laughs> I bet you get paid a lot for your plasma for that. Yeah, because it's going to actual people uh, who actually need it. There are a lot of kids that sell their plasma here in town. Like oh, to make yeah, some we have extra two cash. places. But the thing is, is that they in turn, it's not a um, like a charitable thing. They in turn charge patients for it and oh, at God, really? really extreme levels. Well, so. You just get more money for your med school debt, right? Yeah. But you know, <laughs> the more... I actually knew about that. I forgot that that was a thing in college. Mm-hmm. The well, more that I learn about things like this, like... The less happy. The, the more sympathetic I am to people who are like, burn it all down. <laughs> like, I'm not quite there that's, myself that's me. yet. No, well, I'm I, there. Just, I just think I'm it's sad there, because but... it doesn't, like, if you're, this just distracts from actual things that could help with aging. Like, why are yeah. we paying $8,000 to, like, do this when you could make other life changes that would probably mm-hmm. actually work and be much more beneficial? Or do other research that would actually... Because, Elizabeth... Diet and exercise are gross, and no one wants to do them if we can just buy youth. She has a point. Okay, well, point taken. What's not gross is putting random strangers' blood into my body through an uncertified program. That's great. Bless. But God, food. Uh, Yeah, preach. Put that that into perspective for us. There's so much wrong with... Maybe I learned that in M3 year. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, I'm just saying we've known about these like anti-aging like benefits and the ways that we can do them for so long and yet we still cannot get it to catch on like nope (laughs) we should we should explore anti-aging um the topic of anti-aging in in a future episode I just want someone to but we'll be older by then we can all try eye creams and report back on I used to be the charcoal mask episode all over again I just want someone to like Take all of my conscious that too. <laughs> Take all of my consciousness and put it in a computer, and then put that little computer in my nice new shiny robot body when I get old. I'll do. Yeah, I totally do. Like that. that sounds great. And then when I get sick of that robot body, they just take me out like a like an SD card and just like pop me into some other robot body. Nice. Whoa. Up right. Casey. But then you will talk like this, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> worth it. My name is Definitely, Casey. Definitely, if they have the technology so to do that, that, they would still have voices like that. Okay, yes. So <laughs> hey, the uh, Journal of Osteopathic Medicine published a study this week that had me wondering um, why. Uh, well, I don't know. It's a legitimate question, I think. Uh, the why? study concluded that patients who are hoping their ER physician can help keep their costs of treatment under control will be disappointed. Um, less than half of physicians were able to accurately ex- uh, estimate how much it had cost to treat three common conditions, abdominal pain in a 35-year-old woman, labored breathing in a 57-year-old man, and a 7-year-old sore throat, or sore throat, more properly emphasized. Mm. Uh, the ER docs surveyed were most accurate in guessing the cost of a woman's achy belly, at 43% got the uh, right price range. Um, 32% guessed the right price of the old dude's breathing, breathing difficulties and 40% got it right for the snot-nosed kid. Here's my question. Is, how much is it up to the physician to determine cost savings? I mean, you guys got a lot to know. So- do we have to add... Do we have to add the price of these things on as well, or should we just concentrate? Should you guys just That's concentrate on question. on curing patients? I think line. we should have Medicare for all. Yeah. Okay. There she goes. She said it. I said it. Um, so <laughs> there is a new feature in the medical record, which is kind of nice because cost saving would still be an issue even under Medicare for all because we want to not flood the system unnecessarily, and we still don't want to overtest. But um, there is a thing on Epic now that like a lab cost pops up whenever you order a lab so Hmm. like when you do that $130 CBC like blood count every morning then 
you better be darn sure you actually need a blood count. Mm. Um, so in your limited experience, <laughs> I mean, I, and you know, no, it's no shade at you, but mm. I, would that influence your decision? Like if you want, if you, I mean, if you need a CBC, you're going to get a CBC. If you need a CBC, you need a CBC. Um, I think it depends on the person. So like for me, that's kind of important because I recognize that people can't afford the health care that they require. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't been sued yet, so I'm not as much early, into but... practicing defensive medicine yet. Uh-huh. I really don't like that idea, so I kind of push away from it. Um, but I know Def- that people... So defensive yeah. medicine is like ordering things that you in, don't really need to order, like doing extra things you don't really need to do just to cover your butt. Like when we had like an 80-year-old lady with multiple joint arthritis, and they were like, well... We know she has not been outside for like a year because she's been in the hospital, but you know, maybe it's Lyme disease. (laughs) Let's send off a test for Lyme disease because if we miss it, we're going to look stupid. And the lady on my service just this past week who was like, oh yeah, I know I'm not pregnant. I'm on my period literally right now at this second. And then they were like, oh, we should get a pregnancy test anyway, just in case. Mm, Okay. And I was like, I hate everyone. <laughs> I think the that is not the doctor's role to be managing costs. And I think we're forced to take on this extra burden of really managing the finances of the hospital or the clinic and things like that because we have such a poor healthcare infrastructure mm-hmm. in this country. And you are either not adequately reimbursed or, again, the threat of lawsuits and things. So it's become we're constantly divvying up the attention of the attending, whether it's uh, the pages and pages of charting you're doing or needing to know the costs and the social situation of your patient. Like, yes, we should also have a general context of your patient and their social history, but um, we're becoming social workers on top of healthcare providers, on top Mm of hospital administration, and this is all taking away really from the overall experience of the patient, I think, and the patient-physician rapport and relationship um, and management of their care. There were, there were a couple of problems. And I the f- job satisfaction for physicians, too. Yeah. We didn't want to be in business. <laughs> no. There are a no, couple of problems like, I feel like I spotted with, with this uh, study. Um, number one is that so the question asked was, and, and actually, I didn't spot this one, but the question asked was, how much do you think this costs? Well, is that the cost to the patient or the cost to the hospital? Some people may have interpreted one or the, or the other, so that might change the results. You don't get the answers to what you want. You get the answers to what you ask right. when you write a poorly worded survey. The other question was, and this is pointed out, that it was true no matter what country the docs worked in or their level of experience, but the prices all came from one healthcare system in the DC area. What? Oh, so it's uh, not even oh, where they write based on this has been published. Yeah. It, where, you all know, a CT scan place. ranged from $78 to $1,675. So, you know, I mean, th- that's the real problem, right? That, that Well, and I just wonder, like, what is the conclusions of this study? Because even if as a physician, you knew how much a CT scan is. If your patient needs a CT scan, you're probably going to give them a CT scan. Yeah. A, 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 maybe a better study would be if we provide, if we provide costs, if we have information on cost to the what, patient. Yeah, what is the how impact? would that affect? I'm sure that study's been done somewhere, but. But then, do you want? Do you want the? Should we be making decisions based on? Price alone. No. Price alone. Clearly no, oh, not alone for yeah. sure. But then there's this other, like another side of it that I think about and I'm like, that time and energy that I'm spending, I mean, finances and money and all that is all stressful in any sphere of life. Mm-hmm. I don't want to put that energy that I could be putting towards my patient and other things worrying about how much something is going to cost for me to do to take care of them. Like, that just sounds crazy to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm comfortable with that and I don't know enough about insurance companies and pricing and all that yet at least to actually feel comfortable deciding yeah Um, I mean I think it should have like a fairly minimal impact on our decisions but I do think it's also good to be aware of just because you know if you're if you want to keep a patient in the hospital an extra day 
just to be safe, you know? Like, you have to be aware that that's costing them thousands of dollars. Right. Yeah. Um, that would be the biggest burden for me would be thinking about how much it will cost them, which is sad because it's like... Which sucks. Which sucks. You want to give people sucks. the Medicare like, they I want to give you everything that you need to care. get better. Ooh, that was a Freudian slip. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Yeah, Actually, very so interesting. Us, those of us who just finished in one year, our pathology department has... Um, made this new system where we're given a case of a patient with images of like the histology and different things and the patient's like clinical presentation and then we do decide what tests we want to order um and granted we don't know a lot about them yet but i'm always like cbc with diff like kind of get your (laughs) basics and then some of the more extreme tests it causes you to think and like read about them um, because it's going to tell you how much you spent based on what you ordered compared to what an expert would order. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people grossly over order just because we don't know uh-huh. enough. And we think, well, this is like really specific for this test and this will for sure tell me, but it's $5,000. Whereas if you had, whereas if you had more um, kind of knowledge about being able to look for multiple tests that when put together, give you a pretty definite answer it's cheaper so like there is some burden on us to learn that so the strategy is to go from a general screening test to more specific tests not to start out yeah yes yeah that makes Um, that makes sense and there's imaging and blood work and all that and so they are trying to kind of open our eyes to that and see that it it is partially our responsibility um to come at that from like a knowledgeable background this week I read a fun article about all the weird things that can happen during that most sought after of human sensations. Anyone care to guess what I'm talking about? A sneeze. Okay. Um, <laughs> no. I, I know what this is, um, but I will not say. But I've heard that <laughs> if you sneeze eight times in a row, it's comparable to this. The t- oh, really? The mm-hmm. taste of MSG. are you guys starting a cult around me is that what's happening Uh, right now it's like the asian food infused with msg cult i want to be in it that's fine i'll leave that (laughs) you're all wrong it's uh orgasm Oh, I wow. I wasn't going to say it. I wasn't going to say it. I am very surprised. I, well, the big O. <laughs> da, da, da. The big O, as many of you know. <laughs> Oprah? Is a wild. <laughs> Probably. A, How did she get here? <laughs> Shout out. It's a wild and woolly beast. And a paper published. Is it? <laughs> woolly David Thal, you would describe it. I did Why? just read an article about the, um, the uh. rising trend of keeping all your body hair. Uh, oh, like, yeah. And up to like 25% of women now no longer shave anything. Rock which on. is perfectly reasonable. So woolly might be so appropriate. Be problem when you've had it professionally removed. And a, a paper <laughs> published in the Journal of Sexual Medicine Reviews. God, I said that so creepily. Sexual Medicine <laughs> Reviews <laughs> proves it. That uh, here are some things I learned from the article. The big toe and the genitals are mapped very closely together on the brain, perhaps explaining foot fetishes. Also and explaining in- Quentin Tarantino's what? movies. <laughs> and in... <laughs> <laughs> An involuntary contraction of the toes during orgasm. So there's there's That's one cool. for you. Uh, does that explain anything for you? <laughs> That's that a was, very personal question. I never really, paid that much attention. I to why stubbing like, your toe hurts so badly. <laughs> Meanwhile, your toenail is blue and falling off at this moment. Yeah, that's oh, a good gross. metaphor for my sex life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really interested to see how much of this makes the actual podcast. Probably most of it, unfortunately. Kylie just keeps smashing her feet into things. <laughs> that's what she said? <laughs> Post-orgasmic cataplexy, or catatonia, oh, yeah, is a problem this. for some people, causing them to fall into an unresponsive state for a few hours how after what? orgasm. How bad would you feel if the, you were their partner and you're like, I literally killed them. I, they're dead. <laughs> yeah, so that is actually... I, I don't know about dead. I mean, I would check for a pulse first. I mean, that seems like the first thing to do. But if they were like passed out afterwards, I'd be like, damn. Babe. <laughs> Catatonic state or migraines are really common. Orgasm. <laughs> Orgasm. That sentence or- made sense. Orgasm. Orgasm-induced migraines are fairly common. Like, Wait, really? That is heartbreaking. Like one yeah. to five percent of the population. Yeah. And so this catatonic state or like paralyzing migraine think about like how awkward one night stands are like how do you explain that to someone yeah. when you cry every time <laughs> or, <laughs> no, that's, you cry that's every another time? side effect is like people have this 
<coughs> severe like emotional reaction where they have uncontrollable crying and yeah. it happens in men too post-coital dysphoria in which victims oh. in experience enduring or intense tearfulness melancholy depression anxiety agitation or aggression which I, can last up to an hour after intercourse oh i blame God. some of that on our on our sex negative culture that does not help like I'm, some people just have normal straight old sex guilt and that's i think the two are unrelated ridiculous. though I they mean, might be unrelated sex releases so many neurotransmitters and like hormones in your mm -hmm. body that this like dysphoria is more an imbalance in your brain i think that could be uh men sometimes get post-orgasmic illness syndrome mm -hmm. what? in which uh in which they experience flu lights flu-like symptoms following ejaculation these men are likely to test positive on an allergy scratch test to their own semen oh that's really interesting also kylie why are you just nodding at all these like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. oh i yep. think we read the same article Been there, but oh. at the same time, <laughs> like, just, wow. <laughs> just a shout out to like yeah, mother there. nature saying um you can bleep this out if you want to but the patriarchy i'm gonna make you allergic to your own semen <laughs> preach uh, wait but yes. i'm curious to know like how what do you mean allergic to their own semen like, like where is their semen going if they have this allergic kind of like reaction? an autoimmune reaction do you want to, to know ejaculate? The to like question? what to the ejaculate itself but where is it going that they are allergic to it Probably. I'm just gonna let you imagine the occasions on when this might take place. Why are you getting flu-like symptoms? It is kind of strange. I, I will agree. With Does you. anybody else see this? No, no. I mean, it doesn't have to. Because you're going, saying it doesn't have to go into your mouth. It's, it's a, exiting the body, but they're having flu-like symptoms. Flu-like symptoms. Sure. It, Which I feel like it's like, like it's usual, like, Dave. I have a lot of follow-up <laughs> questions. <laughs> Well, you might get. I mean, you, you know, if you're I mean, if you're if you're having intercourse, you, you, you some would get on the skin of your penis and and. But then, and it may not have anything to do with the reaction to the semen itself specifically. Like, have they done allergy tests with other common allergens? Because maybe there's there's something about where your immune system's all riled up. Well. I okay, that makes more sense. This is this is for some reason this is my favorite one. Uh, one woman. Uh, experienced sixth cranial nerve palsy causing her left eye to turn oh. inward for 15 minutes after <laughs> orgasm so let's imagine that <laughs> from the perspective wow. not, not just from the perspective of her that, that would be weird enough but from the perspective of her partner <laughs> uh, did this happen every single time yeah literally broke her literally well, cross-eyed so so at first i mean the the, the theory is that there is a there is a six six nerve defect accompanied by some other syndrome that I didn't notice but I didn't remember but um so it happened so it would it would happen spontaneously and then at some point it began happening just you know with orgasm so that's too that's funny. really weird her left eye to turn inward I'm so self-conscious it, it's yes. well, I mean how often though are you like going into public like 15 minutes with but within on my 15 shades. minutes of having sex you could role I mean, play it, as pirates well look you <laughs> never know Oh boy! Oh god, it's happening again! I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I. It's not all bad though. You might be familiar with status orgasmus, uh, in which the female orgasm would last for more than forty seconds. Sounds all right. Oh Bless. no! <laughs> but uh, expanded sexual response and extended orgasm is a, uh, a syndrome, a condition. What? Excuse me, a condition in which altered states of consciousness and even hallucinations can occur. <sighs> Some sensations include uh, a sense of surreality, entering a cartoon world, flying, traveling to Ooh, distant wow. lands, visual hallucinations of geometric shapes, flaring lights, and out-of-body experiences. Again, wow. they made sure that none of these people have like LSD flashbacks. I, I, <laughs> that's kind of what it sounds I like. I don't know. Sounds kind of fun. The cartoon <laughs> world is like what really sparked my interest. It's I'm like, really jealous. Oh my god, I, I just had sex with Big Bird. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> that would be your first <laughs> Cartoon in the first place. <laughs> I didn't say it's a fantasy. I just Kylie is a celebrity hall pass. <laughs> <laughs> like, not Disney Hercules. Not. I was trying to think of like 
Well, they don't call him Big Bird for nothing. I'm thinking of this as like a negative. <laughs> you know what they say about the size of the beak. you seen its face well <laughs> i am uh i'm glad we went down this road <laughs> went down I, I warned you i warned you all at the beginning of the episode that this would happen um anyway if i have to be the voice of reason here we have a problem <laughs> the, the, so uh, you know uh, first of all the, the one of the things that the study sought to do which we clearly did not get the message on <laughs> is that you know these are all within the human experience when it comes to uh, sex and the experience of sex so if you feel uh self-conscious about them please if this happened these happened to you uh please call, call in, in and tell us <laughs> <laughs> my left eye turns in but a peer-reviewed journal says it's normal it's so fine. it's fine <laughs> it's fine uh, these are real conditions, though, right? <laughs> these are real. I didn't make them up, although I did think about a game this in which I made these weird games. No, it's not. <laughs> you guys, that's our show. Oh, what? That, they ended on that? That is our show. That's what we're ending on. That's what she said. Casey, Elizabeth, Irene. Kyle. Kylie. <laughs> thank you so much for taking time to uh, visit with me today. And thank you, listeners, for making us part of your week. If you like what you heard today, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, we really, uh, I really like the reviews on iTunes. It uh, is sort of a public affirmation of how cool we are. Oh, who won between Kylie and Mai's challenge last time we were on the podcast together? Oh, nobody won, but Aww. you did get some. Uh, you did. Aww. We did get we shout did outs. Get some shout outs. And they couldn't outs. pick between the two of us. Oh my Aww. god, you guys are so nice. Go look at the reviews on iTunes. Okay, yeah. Um, if you like what you heard today. Uh, Wait, I already said that. The, if you have questions or for something that we should talk about or seek our collective wisdom. If you like what you heard today, you might have a problem. Yeah. Send it to the shortcodes at gmail.com or leave us a message at 347-SHORT-CT. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College Medicine Student Government and the Writing and Humanities Program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox and our closing music is by Argo Fox. Talk to you in one week. I'm still dying. Wow. Kylie's celebrity hold <laughs> <laughs>